Welcome to the Small Scale Life Podcast. Your hosts, Tom and Julie, talk about gardening, homesteading, and connecting with the land at their 10-acre farm in Wisconsin's Driftless area. It's time to learn, do, grow, and be a little better every day on the Small Scale Life Podcast. Are you ready? Let's go. to the Small Scale Life Podcast. I'm your host, Tom, coming to you from the Landing Podcast Studio here at Driftless Oaks Farm. I hope you had a wonderful Valentine's Day, and I want you to know that I appreciate you and the time you spend with us. Thank you for listening to the Small Scale Life Podcast, and have a wonderful Valentine's week. Happy Valentine's Day, everybody. In this 215th episode of the Small Scale Life Podcast, I continue the conversation with my friend Adam Rapier from Colorado. We're going to dive into gardening and beekeeping in this episode. We discussed some fantastic garden beds that they built at Adam's parents' house, and we discussed the start of their beekeeping journey. Now, I have to tell you, go to smallscalelife.com and you can see some pictures of these garden beds. They are amazing, so go check those out. They might inspire you to give gardening a try this year. So, who's Adam Rapier? Well, Adam and I met in 2018 at Daniel Freeman's Ranch in Colorado Springs, Colorado. We spent a couple days together observing bees, checking out wicking bed gardens, riding ATVs, and hanging out. Adam and I have been friends ever since, and I'm happy to have him on the show. In episode 214 of the Small Scale Life podcast, Adam and I discussed his and his family's journey from urban living in Denver to their homestead in rural Colorado. Adam and his wonderful bride, Kathleen, wanted to provide a different way, a different path for their boys to grow up. At the same time, they wanted to be closer to aging parents and discover the freedom of living in the country and doing things their way. Now, I do have one correction from episode 214. Adam's homestead is called the Rapier Ranch, and their bustling beekeeping and honey business is called High Desert Hives. I made that mistake. I called both. I call it the High Desert Hives and Homestead in my haste to get that podcast episode posted. So I apologize for that. We don't have many corrections here at Small Scale Life, but when I'm wrong, I'm wrong. And I'll tell you and make that known. Fortunately, if you want to find them, links to their social media and website are in the show notes at smallscalelife.com. We will have one more episode with Adam where we dive into beekeeping as a business. And I hope you stay tuned to listen to their journey. It's amazing what happens when you have a surplus of a good or product like bees and honey. If you're a gardener like me, you might have an abundance of tomatoes, green beans, or zucchini. And you can either give that surplus away or sell it. Such is life when you're gardening and beekeeping. Now, without further ado, here's Adam talking about gardening and beekeeping on episode 215 of the Small Scale Life Podcast. Well, I found out also one of the ladies from uh, the bee club, she had emotional support ducks. Oh. Because where she lived, they said you can't have certain animals. And she goes, well, if it falls under emotional support or a service animal, I can have whatever animal I want. So she went through the hoops and made her flock of ducks, her emotional support ducks. That is very smart. Wow. I, I, I was like, that's a lot of red tape and a lot of work. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> I, I'm not going to fault you for that one. Yeah, right. I mean, but that's just it. I mean, covenants. I mean, there's some rural communities here in Wisconsin where chickens aren't allowed, you know, and these are small towns. And in, in Minneapolis, you could have six uh, with a little inspection. You could have eight or 12 as long as you didn't have a rooster. I mean, they didn't care, you know. Well, and that's that's how we were in in uh, the Denver area. Um, we were allowed to have six hens. Well, we had 13. Okay. 
if we were permitted uh, before we got, we were allowed to get the chicks. They had to come in and inspect the coop and the run and measure it off the property lines. And that's all they did. Hmm. They really didn't care. As long as you didn't have a rooster, it didn't matter. But if the neighbor's cat or dog jumped the fence and got into your animals and attacked your birds, guess what? That's on you. You yeah. they, They're not going to force anything on that person. Sure. The beehive one I had a lot of issues with because they pretty much took the chicken ordinance for the city, copy and pasted it, and just removed chicken and put bees. Oh. And it was very, very badly written. So, yeah, the, the code enforcement lady learned, learned mine, had me on speed dial for a while there, not because I was in trouble, but because I was the first person to get bees in that city to help them revise it all and put in all the amendments. Oh, wow. Okay. So it actually made sense. Hmm. Well, there you go. We're going to get into bees for a minute. Let's just finish up with your homestead first. So do you have a name for it? Did you name it now? Uh, it's always been a rapier ranch. Okay. So, so it's just, it's just followed. Um, mom and dad's is castle farms. Cause I don't know if you've seen the pictures of mom and dad's. Oh, yeah. 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 It looks like a castle. My five-year-old named it. <laughs> nice. Nice. So when it's stuck. <laughs> yeah. And you got, you did a great job with the gardens there. I mean, you really, uh, those looked really good when you left. Oh, they, that was, that was a lot of work. <laughs> I, I see. So, so for those people that don't know, for your audience, um, I built six raised beds, three foot high, four feet wide, all out of center block. Five of the six were 28 feet long. Wow. And the sixth one was only 18 feet long because we ran out of block. Yeah. Only. Yeah. Yeah, that was a labor of love between me, my wife, and my dad, because my mom has a fake hip. Dad got ran over by a cow. And no, that's not a euphemism for my mom. He got literally ran over by a cow. Uh, <laughs> so uh, so his back is screwed. He can't bend like he used to. So it's like, all right, everything is three feet high now. <clears throat> Pathways. Mom and dad's garden looks like honestly something out of better homes and garden. It yeah. turned out way better than what we all imagined. Yeah. And the reason why we went with center block was because the price of wood was so high. And mom and dad had uh, a stack of center blocks and there's like, Hey, why don't we start with that? Build one and go from there. Well, nice. it turned out, it was like, okay, well we need a lot more. We went to the supply yard and they had seconds there. Instead, it's like, oh, so they're broke. No, it was the extras from a job site. Cool. So, so we got we got instead of that two dollars a block, we got for a dollar twenty five a block. Nice. But it's not the standard eight by eight by twelve. Yeah, it's not the standard grade. What you see at Home Depot? It was eight by ten by twelve and a half. Oh wow! So they were bigger, heavier, and what we didn't know that till later is like, okay, so when you stack them, they don't equal <laughs> so there's way more offset and <laughs> we didn't and to make it all equal we had to go longer sure and it was just a no we can't go longer we don't have the space yeah yeah so that's why it, those pictures the center row has those gray blocks instead of the tan mm -hmm. just because we didn't want them to overhang yeah to make them uh, a tripping hazard right no that's totally cool dude and yeah you can do a lot in, in those deep beds like that man to fill all that with compost Woo, that's a that's a bit of a bill but uh yeah yeah that was it was a mixture of what mom and dad found at another local yard in uh the rabbits and getting them into the composting game as well starting oh, yeah. that yes 
It's good stuff. Absolutely. So rabbits too. My goodness. Bees, ducks, chickens, rabbits. You got it all going on, huh? You got quail for a while. Oh yeah. I had just in my urban lot, I went from, we went from the two beehives because that's where we were permitted with a yard outside of city limits at another local farmer's property. We'll touch on that here in a bit. So we had the two, the two beehives, the chickens, the ducks for a little bit. Then they graduated the freezer camp. Um, <laughs> Got the rabbit solely because my son, we got that at a critter exchange and my son fell in love with it. It's like, well, it's a Holland lop, not anything for me. Well, he's fertilizer factory now, no. which means, which means that's all he is. Uh, he's more valuable for his poop. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I was like, you know what? I want meat product production. So yeah, I had quail and we had, what was it? We had 15 quail in the backyard, which wasn't that much. Actually, when you talk about quail, that's actually not that many. Yeah. Right. Um, versus then when I did that hatch for uh Moj, I had 275 birds in my garage. Wow. That was a learning experience. <laughs> yeah. My, gar- my garage was Lord of the flies and wow. I cleaned those trays out two to three times a day. Wow. It's not just, it, it wasn't just a whole, Oh, I'll do a light cleaning and throw new shavings down. No, it was, uh, we're going down to bear throwing shavings down. That's how fast the flies moved in. Wow. So that, that was the lesson learned. It's like, there's those guys you see on YouTube who have indoor uh, quail stuff. They do a lot of mitigation. And mm. It's it, that's to a level where I'm, I was not at, or I was not set up to be. So I was very happy when Moach took those, I was like, Oh, I think that was actually the last quail I had was when I hatched those. You were probably you were probably sick of quail at that point, so get them oh, out. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like I need a break from these. <laughs> <laughs> They're tasty, but they are stupid. <laughs> yeah, well, and, and I appreciate the uh, the information you provided to me. Uh, we have a, a we have a friend here who who's really interested in quail, so I sent her that information and. And she's, uh, I'll have to follow up with her and see where she's at in the process of that. So that's a, that's a 2023 for her. So yeah. it's kind of fun to have people doing different stuff around us, you know? Oh yeah. And that's, that was one thing that was kind of funny when, uh, COVID hit my phone rang off the hook mm-hmm. when that thing happened. It, it was just funny because it's like, cause one, I had a flight or I was supposed to fly back from Omaha. I ended up driving back. But there was between how everyone who had their ham license, because I am a ham radio operator, I was part of the Aries group as well, so I can get my own information, so on and so forth. And it was between how do I communicate with my ham radio? And, hey, do you have any eggs or food that mm. you can part with? And it got to, to the point where the store was out of eggs. Yep. And in the little town we were living in, and I gave some eggs to my neighbor because they were grandma and grandpa to my kids pretty much and she gave my number to somebody else and uh, i know my phone numbers around the town <laughs> saying i got eggs i'm like and i you know, get a phone call i'm like who are you and how one who are you two how'd you get my number and three how do you know this <laughs> <laughs> yeah people talk you know oh yeah and plus it was f- funny because going into that urban setting the front of my house looked very picturesque urban Mm-hmm. I mean, the gl- the grass was the nice emerald green. Grass. I had food hidden in the bed plants. Oh yeah, but no one, but no one knew it. So it was like, it was like, I'm, I'm like, I'm doing full gorilla freaking 
urbanite here but then when you go in the backyard that's where all the fun is it's like there's the garden there's the greenhouse there's the bees the chickens mm-hmm. the rabbit mm-hmm. the playground so yeah, it was, yeah. You can do it. It's not easy, but you can do it. Yeah, it's amazing how much you had on that little lot, really. I mean, you had stuff in there that I didn't even try in a, in a with a little bigger lot, you know, in, in Illinois, but that's cool. Well, I and even then, people said I had, like you, you just said I had a lot. There were some people that I know that I did not, I didn't have anything compared to what they had. Right. I mean, it's like... Um, with the hydroponics and the aquaponics systems people have plus all the regular traditional style ways of raising food oh yeah oh yeah they, yeah it can be done going go vertical <laughs> yeah right um yeah that's that's an interesting point too and and you can do a lot in the space you've got you don't need to have 10 acres or three acres or two acres or one acre you can do a lot in a in a city lot you know you can well well you can do a lot in an apartment i yeah. mean like I mean, because I remember when I lived in Minnesota, um, the second apartment I lived in in Coon Rapids, they had a contest on the balcony gardens. Oh wow! And they did. They, it was like one of the few places that they allowed gardens on the balcony, so everyone had their planter boxes on the rails and everything else. But even then, it's like from a meat production standpoint, if you're going that route, okay, then you're going into quail and rabbit. Yeah. Because really, rabbits are quiet. They really if you can handle the smell and mitigate the smell you're golden okay um because no matter what an animal excrement feces okay, <laughs> you got you got to get rid of it somehow <laughs> so so really if you can mitigate that and you can have your buck and your doe guess what you now have a breeding set sure so breed them you got the babies if you can handle butchering them in your kitchen which is what i did with my quail um you're you're fine you can do that mm. uh same thing with quail uh you can put three four birds four birds in a two foot by two foot cage i don't like doing that because to me it's like there's not enough room for right. birds to roam and get a break right but that's what people do um so you can actually do that as long as you keep the hens you can have eggs and if you get a rooster the rooster of a quail sounds like a wild bird yeah so, and that's when we had all those birds in the backyard, uh, the neighbors, when the, the quail roosters were crowing, they would sit there like, what is that bird? We never heard it before. Well, that's a quail. I'm sorry. Is he noise bothering you? Cause if not, well, he'll, he'll graduate the freezer camp. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I'll, that's and, funny. Freezer camp. Well, what's funny was <laughs> the neighbors that brought it up were the same ones that enjoyed the ducks and her husband, he was from Louisiana. He's like, dude, I have had quail since I left Louisiana. <laughs> I got you, buddy. Don't worry. Right. You want to come? Exactly. You want to come help me process, or you just want to be paid off in the meat? I just want the meat. All right. So every six weeks, I had four quail, four dressed out quail at the back fence for him, saying, "Hey, Daryl, come here. I got your quail for you." <laughs> wow, that's cool. I see a trend here with you. Bribe them with food. Bribe them with honey. You know, bribe them with these things that you make and grow and do. Oh yeah, it's especially in urban areas. You, you, you kind of, I hate to say you don't have to, but it makes your life a lot easier. Right. Yeah. Less and, and, that's how you, and that's how you get to the networking side of it as well. Right. Well, that's so true. You, Good point. I mean, then when you don't, when you have something that's, you can't figure out, or you know, someone who's done it longer, you can say, Hey, can you come help me with this? Uh, I kind of helped you with this. Yeah. Right. 
Yeah. Food is always a great gift too, you know, people, especially if you make it or grow it or raise it. Oh yeah. But I will say you got to watch out for the peppers. Oh yeah. <laughs> exactly. Thai, the neighbors behind me had a Thai chili pepper that kicked my butt. Ooh, yeah. You got to be careful of that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what it was. It was this little itty bitty yellow thing. <laughs> <laughs> so you're on this acreage. You've been working on your elm tree. So what are your big plans for this property? I mean, you've got three acres of Roman. You're not in the city lot anymore. What's what's uh, I'm not the plan? Sure. I know you've been putting up fencing. So I, I got the, the property line fence up uh, probably in the springtime. Um, we're going to be getting sheep. Oh, wow. So, yeah, the neighbor across the street, uh, they do uh, bum lambs. So okay. do, you, do you know what those are? No, I don't. So when the, when a, when a female lamb or sheep at you gives birth, she can give birth to one to triplets. Okay. So if she does twins, usually she'll accept that the twin, she can usually feed a sec to, to baby lambs. Well, the third one is called the bum lamb. Okay. So most of the sheep farmers around here will be like, Hey, it's going to die. A, a bum lamb just looks for a place to die. Okay. So that's your bottle fed lambs. Mm. And usually the sheep farmers are like, Hey, I'll sell you a baby sheep or a baby lamb for 10 bucks. Okay. So then as long as you can keep them alive for X amount that they can sustain themselves, you can get lamb and sheep for really relatively cheap. So, so that's the plan there is try it with bum lambs first. Cause that's what the neighbors across the street uh, did. Or that's what they do. Say, so, okay, learn from them. Yep. Get get the knowledge there, and then eventually, what I like to do is make it to where we have our own flock, our own breeding hmm. flock, and go from there. So, because really, between the stuff we had in the urban area or, or urban lot, and mom and dad got a good grasp on what animals I like and what I don't like. Sure. Yeah, that's that's important. Yeah. Especially when you get up to the big. A lot of people just start doing all the things, and suddenly it's like, "Ooh, I don't know." And yeah, now you have the animal to deal with. Well, not just that. I mean, what a lot of people don't realize is the infrastructure. Mm -hmm. Because, like me, uh, technically, I could have a cow. I could have. I think I could have two cows here per acreage, just for the pure space. I could have two or three cows, which cool. But the infrastructure to keep a cow in place is a expensive. Yeah difficult to maintain yeah and see where i'm at i'm in beef country like when i when i drive into the town it says welcome to beef country mm-hmm. so why should i do it when there's guys who who are already here who've done it for years and generations and right. i could trade them yeah for commodities and just do that side of things so it's like all right goats i despise mm-hmm. <laughs> i don't i don't see them that's I, I i don't like them um because same thing, infrastructure to keep those little buggers where you need where you want them is a pain because they will clear a five foot to six foot fence <clears throat> and get and get on your roof. Hence Nicole yeah. saw us with the goat up on the top of her roof, right? Yeah. Uh, well, and even like the the property behind mom and dad's, that's where mom and dad they uh they did a land lease for their cows one year. And it's like, okay, so you need a lot of acres to do the grass-fed cows. Yep. Yeah phenomenal meat but you gotta have the land right but even then this year the guy who owns the property he put cows out there and he has one heifer that uh jumped over the fence holy the smoke. neighbor's pasture and then next thing you know that that cow got bred 
He's like, well, I can't, I can't eat her now. So yeah, it's just a lot of, a lot of stuff that people, it's the glamour of a homestead. It's awesome. Don't get me wrong. This is a lifestyle that I've dreamed about. And I couldn't think of any other way to do it anymore. Even with a short time I've been here. And Mm -hmm. that's the thing is, is try not to burn yourself out. Yep. And doing everything at once. Yes. Totally. Agreed. And just scale it down to what you want and only adding one thing at a time. Yeah. Unless you have lots of experience with that, then you, know, you can add two or maybe three. Right. No, I was just looking. Yeah. No, I know what you're saying because I've got my little, oh, it's not, it's in a different one. I was writing a to-do list before the snow flies and uh, it's, it's, yeah, I don't know. You probably won't be able to see this, but what the heck. Probably not. It's like, yeah, like stuff and thing <laughs> and more stuff and ideas yeah. and things. <laughs> that's, one, that's one thing that also the amount of notebooks I have now. <laughs> I want this. Hold on, I got an idea. I need to write this down. And next thing I know, oh, notebook, cool. Yeah, I know. Where that notebook go? <laughs> it's my garden oh, notebook. I'm going to have a bee notebook. I'm going to have a you know, whatever notebook. Oh, yeah, I know. Oh, yeah. Yes, oh, exactly. Yeah. So, okay, cool. You got some good projects coming up then. That's awesome. So one thing that you've got and you've started, I really am interested in because I'm looking at bees for 2023, bees in 2023 for me. So um, Jules going to get the chickens. I'm going to get the bees. So let's talk bees for a minute. So how long you been doing bees? How long you been doing the beekeeper thing? Uh, beekeeper thing is just going on to year seven. Yeah, wow. seven years. Yeah, seven years doing beekeeping. And the reason why we got into that was back to the garden thing. That one year, it's like, why is my cucumber mutant looking it looks normal on this end but you go down two inches in it looks like a freaking little gherkin yeah what the hell my wife and i this before we had our our kids she did quick little google foo search and she goes oh it's because we don't have any pollinators here or not enough Mm -hmm. so she goes well have you ever thought about getting a beekeeping and i was like no not really like bugs with venom in their butts with swords and everything else no (laughs) not my thing and it's like, well, you know what? I'll, I'll, I'll do some research. And at the time, I was listening to Survival Podcast. Sure. And Michael Jordan was on there. It's like, man, that guy is, he's a little eccentric, but I like him. And then I found uh, uh, Wyoming Bee College. Yep. Which people don't know. Well, I know you know, I don't shut up about it. Uh, one weekend in March. Yeah, March. Uh, they do a convention for hobbyist beekeepers in Cheyenne, Wyoming. Mm-hmm. And it's two days and it's like, well, we'll go and check it out, learn, so on and so forth. Cause we were reading books and same thing. Book knowledge will get you everywhere, but actually learning, getting in touch with the people and doing it is, will take you above and beyond. Right. And I remember that first day we did the one-on-one class, one-on-one. And this lady said, this master beekeeper, she sat there, she goes, this is not a true one-on-one class. She goes, a one-on-one class is 40 hours at the minimum. Wow. And and I remember walking out of there and my brain was fried. Mm-hmm. I was like, with all the information she gave us, I was like, dude, I feel like I drank from a freaking fire hose of information. So there's that. Uh, but yeah, after that weekend, uh, <clears throat> my cat, my wife was uh, running with bees and I was sprinting. Mm. It's like, I met Michael Jordan there for the first time. Uh, I found out he was doing a queen rearing class like two weeks later. And me literally just like, I read the book and, uh, way above what I know. Yeah. So I was like, I'm going to that 
dude's class. Yeah. <laughs> and then same thing. Next thing I know, it's just going from two highs to the second year. We had nine highs, which I think is when I met is when I met you. Yep. At at Danielle's house was when yep. I had the nine. Mm-hmm. And then that fall was when I was traveling a lot again, and I watched all but the two in my backyard die because wow. I didn't mitigate for Varroa mm-hmm. because it was just a, I was honestly, I was too damn tired. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And, that capacity. I get it. Yeah. I was, well, and also it didn't help. Like that was the year that we went to B college in uh, March. I believe it was April was when we went to Michael Jordan's class. And then it was May, May, June was when we got our bees. And when we found out my wife was pregnant with our oldest. Ah, yeah. So it went from the couple's hobby to my hobby. Yeah. (laughs) We had the bees on order and everything else. Yeah. So it was like, well, my wife can't fit in her bee suit anymore. Mm -hmm. This is now my project. Yeah. Your project. Yeah. Then it just grew from there and shrunk from there. And then uh, two years ago. Yeah, two years ago was when dad got into beekeeping after he saw all the stuff that I was doing. So and dad, dad and them, they live on a, an acre and a half. Yeah, an acre and a half. And that's where a lot more expansion happened. Dad could build anything, really give him enough time in 15 minutes. He could figure it out or sure. he'll research it and he could build it. Any type of hive. Nice. Want. We got some weird hives. Now we got a horizontal Langstroth. We got a Layens hive. So we have nine Langstroth hives. I got my micro urban beehive and we've thought of doing a top bar, but after dealing with the lanes, I don't want to deal with the top bar. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah. So it's the beekeeping itself. We could probably do an entire bog- podcast on that. And even then I, <laughs> seven years in, I still don't think I know everything. Oh yeah. No. I mean, so, it seems like there's so much to learn. I mean, just to keep all these happy little girls alive and keep them happy. <laughs> yeah. yeah go- Dealt with that number, when we had the beehives in the backyard right before we moved, we had one hive that turned mean. Ooh, okay. And I mean, like, it was beehives, 10 feet, playset for my kids. Oh, yeah. So we're not even messing with the bees. And we're pushing the boys on the swings, and we had bees come after the boys. Oh, wow. It's like, all right, I'm I'm done. You guys, y'all need to be requeened. And I called Danielle's like, hey, I got one hive. I cannot find this queen. It was a swarm I caught uh, when I worked at the greenhouse. At, I caught it at, at the dock of the greenhouse. Mm-hmm. It's like, I've had this hive for a year and a half. I have, I cannot find this queen. I know she's in there. She's alive, but I cannot find her. And I called Danielle's like, hey, I need your help to... One, I need to get this thing out of my backyard because it's gotten me in it. We need some space for it to go be mean somewhere else if it decides to go away. Not to give it someone else's issue, but Danielle, you 50 acres plus however many hundreds of acres yes. people have around them. And we couldn't find her that day. Wow. And we're like, what the hell? And I think he ended up taking, we figured out which box she was in. And I think he took it down to the commercial guy he was working with for a while there every now and then that I went with him to. And it took the man, the guy who's been doing beekeeping for 35 years. It took him 20 minutes to find her. Wow. (laughs) I don't feel too bad. Wow. Holy smokes, dude. I was like, I don't feel bad that I couldn't find her. So kill the queen and requeen it then. And it was okay. That one. I think, I think they did end up requeening that one. Okay. But yeah, it was a, it was just a, I, I can't find her. Mm. I'm like, and 
she needs to go away. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, that's some of the stuff you'll, you'll learn. Yeah. I mean, hopefully you don't learn in your first year. I hope not. <laughs> uh, I've, I've had people that, that have had that their first year they had a hive that just had a mean queen. And mm. it's like, we got to make it go away for a while and we'll requeen it and get the genetics to where she's gentler and everything else. And there's some of them that, like speaking of Nicole, I mean, her one hive, I played with that hive for a little bit that one time. And yeah, that's an evil, mean hive. Mm. So it's like, well, let her, it's going to be a mean hive no matter what. I mean, until you find her and you do an intensive, no, you will be, you will accept this queen. No, you will, no, I will kill all your queen cells in this. But mm. how much time and effort are you willing to put in? All the things we're going to be learning. Swarming. <laughs> uh, the, the big thing really getting on bees that first year, the big thing is to get them through that first winter. Okay. That's, that's your main goal. Your first year as a beekeeper is getting them ready for that first winter. Um, so really learning how to check for Varroa yep. and I learned during doing sugar shakes and I just now finally old David's die hard finally switched over to alcohol washes and alcohol washes are so much easier or alcohol washes or some use uh, a mixture of Dawn dish soap. Yeah. I've seen the Dawn dish soap method and that, that seems to work too. So yeah. The only thing is like you get, especially your first year, you're so excited Yeah. And, and towards the end of your first year, like till the fall, when you start doing mite checks, you're still, I don't want to kill these bees. Cause mm. when you do the alcohol washes, you got to get your quarter cup of bees and put them into this jar and then pour alcohol on them or pour Dawn dish soap. You're going to kill those bees. Right. So, and then you do your count of your mites and mm-hmm. go from there. Yep. Yep. No, I saw your results of that one check. And then I've, oh. I've seen, uh, Greg Burns in his learning yard, he's been doing that too. And he's had video of it and I'm like, Oh, okay. That's kind of interesting. Okay. I'd- yeah. That one, that was, that was a shocker to me because we were, we were counting three to or two to three mites all summer. Yeah. It was like, it was like, cool. Like that we, we don't have to do much treating this year. And then we had one hive that I split it early when we first moved up here. Cause that's another thing we're getting, to regionality of beekeeping yeah just even though i'm still in the same state beekeeping in denver versus the western slope complete 180 like what i did there i don't do here what i do here i would not do there Mm. so that's the big thing to learn there but i did a split i was like okay i'll do a split it's early enough it's warm enough let them make their own queen well did too early no drones were flying so they didn't make they were not successful making a queen bee Mm. so i was like all right with how many highs we had and everything else, it's like, all right, did me a good queen. So a worker took over. So you have the laying workers issue, which I have yet to find anybody who can figure out how to solve a laying worker issue, which pretty much one worker bee will just say, I'm going to start laying no matter what. And they, they won't live. Okay. And by the end of this year, we kept doing the whole, here's a queen. And they would kill that queen. Oh, wow. So yeah, we, we put probably a good, and queen bees can get expensive. I mean, fortunately, we found a local commercial guy, and he was only thirty bucks a queen bee. But you get queen bees all the way up to the two hundred dollar level wow. just for one little bug. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. But that's more of your boot. No, I shouldn't say boutique. You're if you're looking for a specific breed, sure, or of of bees, you can you can find them. Yeah, like uh, was it they call uh, Kona Kings? Oh out yeah, of, out of Hawaii. 
I've heard of those. Yeah. Yeah. You can get, you can get, you can order a queen bee right now. This one costs you 175 bucks. <laughs> but you can order queens from them year round. It's like, well, yeah, they're in Hawaii, but right? it's like, ugh. uh, yeah. But yeah. Now that one, that hive died and it absconded. So pretty much all the mites there that because it was such a weak hive, the mites took, took it over. And then when they left, all their mites went, Oh, we got nowhere to feed off of. Oh, look at all these highs. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. So, yeah. Yeah. It's like, son of a diddly. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. That's, that was one thing. And it just got to the point where it was like, all right, our strongest hive was next to this weak hive. We're in tree herd. Cause that was where that 30 count came from. Sure. Just go down the line and treat them all. Yep. Which I don't like to do. I like to do individuals and be like, okay, there's a difference between correction and mitigation. Yep. And that's something else to learn. Okay. Um, my, Michael's a really good one to learn about the difference. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't talked to Greg a lot about beekeeping, so I'm assuming okay. he does similar practices. Don't know. I'm not going to put words in people's mouths. I'm just learning. <laughs> so, so there's that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and same thing with first year beekeeping. Uh, start with two hives. Yeah, that's. I'm not doing anything. I I need to learn. So training yeah. wheels and not getting overwhelmed would be good. Yeah. Yeah. How I'm many are you running right now? Right now, going into winter, we have nine. Oh wow. Um, Danielle and I, because Danielle said he's getting out of the beekeeping stuff. Oh yes. He said, yeah, he said he has four or five hives he wants to bring oh. up to me. Okay. It's just a matter of logistics of getting it up here. Um, next year, if they all make it through winter, I, I say winter here, it, our winters are not winters. Right. <laughs> so our, our average temperature during winter is 45 oh, wow. on this side with maybe that's two a, that's a severe heat wave in like, I, <laughs> I know <laughs> you, y'all wear shorts and tank tops at 45 degrees. We do. <laughs> I know. Amazing. Yes. We're not doing so, it now, but we will in the spring. Right. So it's yeah. five right now. So. Yeah, so ideally next year I want to double our bee production because one thing I learned, I don't know if you want to just go ahead and start going into the segue of the business side of things. Yeah, you know what? I'm yeah, what and if time runs out, we'll just pop another one and we'll just keep going. So yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because really segueing into the beekeeping stuff, eventually if you keep bees, you'll get two things. You'll get honey and you'll get more bees. <laughs> so if you do good, those are your two byproducts of keeping bees. And well, and you'll get mites, but yeah. that's a different story. So yeah, mitigate mites. You got yourself or weevils or whatever. And then you'll get bees and honey. So our one hive this year, we pulled 200 pounds of honey off of it. Wow. So yeah. So we had a nice little excess this year. It's like, we have to sell this. Like we, we, we have no choice. We got over 500 pounds of, honey here we cannot consume this enough and being in denver when i had nine i was i was pretty much giving it away or i was selling it to people i knew i was not going to the public at all sure it's like you had to know me in order for me to sell it or you had to know somebody close to me because of college food laws and everything else because me being me i want to operate under the radar so there's that so now it's like okay we got to go public with this there's no way I don't have enough friends over here. Dad's selling to coworkers and such. It's like, we can't, we cannot get rid of it fast enough. So now it's turned into, okay, we're going to start going to farmer's markets and selling it. Cause that's the other gateway drug to starting your own business really. Right. 
was we got excess of something mm-hmm. that was going bad is either going wholesale or to a farmer's market. Right. Which the farmer's market isn't so much about the sales. It's about the networking. Yeah. It really is because that first farmer's market, I walked away with four people's phone numbers, two of which work at the meadery here in town. Oh, wow. They want honey. Yeah, they sure. want honey. And two farmers who want beehives on the property for pollination. Wow. Yeah, totally, man. So, so it's like, well, I wasn't looking at, I mean, I've always wanted to get into the pollination side of things, but I was never big enough and I didn't have the time. Sure. Now here with the way we got everything set up, I have the time. Cool, man. So, and we moved out here with the goal in mind to start our own business and make it to where we're not reliant on the W two jobs. Mm-hmm. You know, we're creating our own wealth. We're running it all. So, and that's where also tying in back to the homesteading, where all ties in. Yeah, totally you can start your own thing. Yeah, that makes total sense. And building that network like that, I mean. Because not everybody does bees, right? Everybody has a garden, right? Or everybody has a, they're out there, you have cows, you know, what's going to set you apart? And yeah. if you like doing beekeeping, why yeah. not? And yeah, and like I said, I mean, my, my goal always was to do go commercial-ish. Not right. do a full-blow commercial, because like when Danielle and I went down to uh, Corey's place, I think he has 2,500 hives. Holy smokes. Yeah, and that was an eye-opener. Uh, going from hobbyist side to commercial side, it's like, yeah, because even he said, he's like, how many hives do you got? And I'm like, oh, I'm at two again. So kind of taking a break, just selling splits and doing so on and so forth. And uh, he's like, oh, I wish I had two. I got 2,500. <laughs> <laughs> and, we, and we saw, I think, 200 of them in that day. Wow. And well, then, and then you get into employees and you're con- you got warehousing and all the equipment. I mean, you, there's a lot to it. You know, I mean, just looking at different you, the commercial guys on YouTube and the systems they've got and the warehouses they've got. And even the ones around here, you know, it's they got some pretty big pole sheds full of stuff, you know, and then there's boxes well, stacked out outside, you know, and it's like, holy smokes. That's, well, and over here, there's three commercial beekeepers between here and in my parents' house. Because <clears throat> this is where they overwinter their, or pretty much in the summer they bring their bees here and then before they go out to the almond fields. Sure, that makes sense. But, but they don't come back from the almond fields or the apples until after the first cutting of alfalfa here. Mm. So it's like, okay, well, there's still <clears throat> that little gap of pollination that's needed, that early season pollination. Now, granted, there is better insects out or better bees out there than just honeybees to do pollination but honeybees are the easiest most commercialized ones right and like i told you also i think i sent you the stuff on the mason bees the crown Mm -hmm. bees stuff yeah way better pollinators but you don't get the honey right so but you get more bees yes so that's a different aspect of it and you got to get into those hardcore gardeners which is a good niche market and get those bees to them but you also got to teach them how to keep those those bugs which is way easier or simpler than honeybees <laughs> <laughs> so yeah not so, to talk trash to honeybees because that's my thing but <laughs> yeah no it's it's really interesting to me and um like i said i'm just starting to dip my toe into this so we're gonna okay. it's gonna knock us out here so you want to go a little further a little little bit more talking about the stuff in closing from the north to the south from the east to the west and everywhere in between, 
May the gods, spirits, and folk be blessed at this place. May we heal the land and protect the soil, animals, and plants. May we live in strength and love, leading the way as we learn, do, grow, and be a little better every day. This is Tom from the Small Scale Life Podcast. We'll be back with another show. In the meantime, stay safe and take care, everybody. This has been a production of Small Scale Life Media. Let it grow, let it grow. I can see all the veggies growing for me. So let it grow, let it grow. The cold never bothered me anyway.